0: Welcome to the Selfish Podcast. In today's episode, we have Jen. I'm excited to hear more about her and her life and story. So welcome, Jen. Can you just share with myself and the audience, where in the world are you and what time of day is it for you?
1: Hi, Luke. Thank you for having me here. I am in Portland, Oregon, in the United States, in the Pacific Northwest, and it's 1030 a.m.,
0: Oh, nice. I'm. I don't know if you know. I'm in the south of Spain. Well, actually, you know, I'm in mainland Spain at the moment, and it's quarter past seven in the evening. You know, Pacific Northwest has always fascinated me from when I was a young age. I think it's the forests. Something about that area I want to see. Been drawn to there for many years, but never, never been.
1: Yeah, you should come. It is beautifully green here. I have lived here about twelve years now, and I'm still just taken away by the lush green forest. So yes, it is a beautiful place to visit in the world.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely want to see it. And I, I think it's that it's the greenness that life being everywhere, because some places in Spain that I've been when the summer comes, everything goes yellow, because everything's died because of the heat's just so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels cold even though it's ridiculously hot there's a cold atmosphere because it's sort of lifeless in so many areas Uh, even the people go indoors for hours of the day because it's too hot to be outside (laughs) so (laughs) i think there's something nice about being in the green and yeah just being around that life
1: yes yes as long as you can handle rain then and not the dry is the absolute opposite we're uh, out in the rain all of the time here
0: (laughs) nice Right, well, I like to do my guests to know them more personally as they hear about their childhood. Can you paint me a picture of what life was like, say up to ten years old?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had parents who were teachers and So they taught during the school year and we had summers off, um, which honestly, I did not realize was not how the rest of the world (laughs) lived. Um, And we would travel to visit my grandparents who lived on a farm and stay with them in the summer. And so I had this amazing um, city life during the school year. We lived in when I was in elementary school in St. Louis, Missouri, which is in the middle of the United States very urban, very city setting. And then in the summer, go and stay with my grandparents on the farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was really an interesting, yeah, comparison. Um, And my teachers are, or my parents as teachers are real practical. Um, We did road trips and camping, and I have a younger sister who's six years younger than me. And that is mostly how we spend our time just traveling around road tripping around the mid the Midwest and up into Canada um spending our summers. Uh, we moved around quite a bit when I was a kid um all around the Midwest I was born in Kansas um then we moved to Minnesota where my mom's family's from and then we moved to St. Louis and then back to Minnesota um, my dad, um, went back and, and got a master's in divinity uh, d- uh, degree so we moved around a bit for his schooling and training um, as well so I, I had a really wonderful childhood um, it was um, I was the eldest child and eldest grandchild and and got to spend a lot of time with family in my youth. Oh, nice. what, what did your parents teach what was their main subject? They were elementary school teachers. So they were kind of general teachers um, would teach grades. So both of them taught the younger grades, um, like first, second, third grade um, age group. Okay. And were they actually like yours and your sister's teachers or was it
0: separate schools? Or?
1: I did. I had my mom when I was in second grade. Um, she was my teacher and uh, I called her mom. Everyone always asked, did you call her my maiden name is Fredrickson. Mrs. Fredrickson said, "No." I called her mom, and the kids were fascinated. Uh, my my fellow students that my mom was my teacher, and I remember one little boy asking, "Well, where do you sleep?" And I was like, "In a bed." And he's like, "But I don't see any beds in the classroom." And I was like, "Well, we don't live in the classroom, so <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah, know, like when kids school. are young, they don't yeah. think about their teachers having lives outside of the classroom." And I saw teachers as my parents' friends. So I had a really different view of teachers because yeah, didn't think I knew they way. lived I knew they lived in homes because I would go to their homes and and they were our social life. My parents, that was really our world was the the school and and the other
0: teachers. So yeah, no, it's really interesting. I didn't think of having, like you said, they're they're your parents' friends. <laughs> it's not how I've ever pictured yeah. a teacher, um, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine it was nicer at that age rather than say when you're hitting your teenage years and your parents are your teacher <laughs> and you're putting you're saying mum, dad <laughs> might be a little different. Yeah. how did you find school in general? Like it sounds like it was all very pleasant. Did you did you enjoy the process of school and learning?
1: When you're young, it's a bit of bragging rights that your mom is the teacher. When you become older in teenager years, that, that would not have been as much fun for me.
0: Yeah. What, what comes to mind first? Not necessarily the biggest thing, but what just floats up when I ask you, what was a struggle in your life when you was young?
1: I think a struggle in my life when I was young is um, I quickly turned into perfectionism. <laughs> That's what I call it now. Um, when I was young, I just, I really wanted to do well mm. and achieve and do things well. And I I had a lot of worry if I would do things and I wouldn't perform as well as I had hoped, or I would struggle or make mistakes. Um, I was really hard on myself as a kid for that. Um, and that, that was hard.
0: Yeah. That's, I think that's something a lot of people can relate to because it's sort of the the school system is run that way isn't it you're graded by uh, your achievements and you're waiting for that expectation of whether you did good enough or not not the participation so much but it's all about the end result and I remember at the end of school some of the kids having such anxiety and stress and fear of whether they get good enough sort of grades for a job or whether their parents are even are uh, happy enough with their efforts um it can be quite a stressful time. And did that carry on later into your life or did you learn to manage it, control it or get get rid of it?
1: Yes. And I, I think, you know, I, my parents didn't promote it, but just by being in the education system, we celebrated A's and we, you know, how many A's did you get? And it was more of an expectation. And if you didn't get an A, of, well, what happened that you wouldn't get this? So yeah, it it really promoted that end result. And yes, it carried over into my adulthood and into college. I remember getting my first C grade in college and, and really having an emotionally hard time with that. And it carried over all the way up into, I would say, up till 15 years ago when I started making a change. Uh, that led me ultimately out here to the Midwest, uh, out of the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest. Of being okay with letting that perfectionism go.
0: Mm, interesting. I um, definitely want to hear more about that. But I just quickly want to hear: Do you remember your first ambition when you was a child? The first thing you sort of wanted to do, be, or a profession or anything like that when you was really young?
1: Yes, the first profession I wanted to be when I was young was a dentist. Okay. <laughs> Um, which I definitely don't want to be a dentist now at this point in my life. But um, it was because I had a female dentist who was very kind and friendly. And I thought she was very beautiful. And I thought, oh, wow, look at her. I I looked at her um, as a little girl, kind of admiring her as a professional woman. Mm. And I don't know that I really thought about what it meant to be a dentist. I just saw her and thought I want to be like her. Um, and so that's how I came up with my very first ambition as a child. Interesting. (laughs) yeah.
0: And and so what transformed, you said 15 years ago, I think you said, what, what transformed in your life to bring you aware that that change was even possible?
1: That's a great question. I have long thought, like, what was the thing that actually changed it for me? And it was that. I just began to feel unsettled. And I also knew I was ready to make a change at that point, but I wasn't really sure. And I felt a lot of discontentment, um, but I didn't give myself a lot of permission to act on the discontentment because I had a lot of success. I had gone on and I I had started my career in um, breast cancer research. And then I had moved on and gotten a master's degree in education and a license to be a professional counselor. And I was moving up the ranks and it just didn't feel aligned to say, oh, I'm feeling discontent. <laughs> mm-hmm. When on the outside, everything looked like it was really lining up perfectly, if you will. Uh, and then I decided to to make a move to the Pacific Northwest. and It was literally at a rest stop in the middle of Montana. Um, And if you are familiar with Montana for listeners, it is, as you described, actually parts of Spain, um, very dry, wide open. And we stopped at this rest stop and there were signs all over that said, beware of rattlesnakes, (laughs) like tons. And I was like, how many rattlesnakes are there? There are signs (laughs) everywhere. and for whatever reason, one of the signs, uh, the way it was, it was pointing at the tail of the rattlesnake saying, don't be afraid of the tail, be afraid of the the venom. And somebody had like written on the sign. And it hit me, wait a minute, that's exactly what's going on with me is that I had been upset that I was discontent and giving myself a really hard time about it. But that was kind of like the rattle, right? It was my own kind of mind saying like, something just isn't right here. Something just isn't right here. But I had targeted that as the problem when really it was this underlying perfectionism, right? That had been there for so long. And it's so weird to say like how a rest stop in Montana with rattlesnakes, but I had a long drive still to Portland and I had a lot of time to think about it. That sign really started me thinking in a different way
0: nice and yeah montana i know a little bit about it's another another you mentioned another place i really want to see and it just looks so wild i think it's one that maybe the biggest sort of wild area of, of the states Yes, um, I imagine just driving through that as well, and the scenery like really puts you in a nice place to contemplate these things.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. It is a, a nice, wide-open spaces to contemplate. There are some mountains in in Montana as well, but a lot of the interstate goes through pretty wide-open spaces.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, so what? So you went through that and say had that realization that that perfectionism is causing some discomfort and you can work on that. What, what, was, what did you start implementing? Where did you look? Did, was it just self-work that you put yourself through? Or did how, how did that process work for you?
1: Yeah, it was really self-work I put myself through. I have the advantage that m- my training is as a mental health therapist. And so uh, I use some of my own things. You know, it's kind of like the cobbler's children don't have shoes, the mental health therapist Oh wait! I'm not using my own material for myself, and so I I really spent some time reflecting and beginning to do that self work and realizing what value I had. And it was when I uncovered kind of feeling this sense of peacefulness and knowing inside myself of what I had to offer the world that that changed.
0: Yeah, no, it's really interesting. It- reminded me of um, a conversation i was having with my love danielle the other day actually was, she was asking me because i used to suffer a lot of issues myself and part of that yeah. was like chronic fatigue and depression and she said what what she goes what do you think was the bigger change and i said there were so many little changes that mm. it's hard to say it's one particular thing but i had it really resonated when you said like the cobbler whose cobbler's children's got no shoes um i had always been a carer for my mom she had severe schizophrenia and ah. so from a young age, I was her full-time carer and mm. and then like other things happen in life. And I've always been extremely caring and nurturing. And when it came to, I realized, wait a minute, I need to put this care and love into myself. It was really hard. I, could, I, I had to put it at least equal to what I'm putting into others, um, uh-huh. if not slightly more to get myself enabled to serve others more. And I found there was such discomfort in that. Um, and then it made me question my own worth and value and realize where it was, sort of give me a measurement and go, okay, I'm not valuing myself at the same standard. I would value even a stranger, you know? And, yeah. and it, so I called it like an inner dictator. I always had this inner dictator who was d- so demanding of me that they they got me to act, but through a whip instead of a carrot, say, pulling me along. There wasn't self-encouragement, didn't really exist, only under sort of the brute force of that dictatorship, <laughs>
1: Yes, I often call my inner voice was a was a drill sergeant, very similar to your dictator. Yes, it was I I accomplished a lot, but it was through um criticism and the accountability of was really harsh. It wasn't kind. I mean, it worked. I I succeeded, but it but it wasn't I wasn't being kind to myself. And wow, caring for your mom with schizophrenia all those years. I, as a mental health therapist, worked with people with schizophrenia for 10 years. I have a very, very loving place in my heart for individuals with that diagnosis and all the struggles that comes with it.
0: Yeah, it's a very hard uh, Mm -hmm. thing to explain because it's quite diverse as well. Um, But she she had it uh, the most severe I've seen. And I've Uh been to, within my lifetime with her, I've been to at least 20 different uh, facilities for people with mental health where she would have to be sectioned in there. And then she was put in the the extreme sort of extra locked up padded room places and where you allowed even less time because she was Mm. so severe. Um, But the gift I see that now brought me to life is it really made me appreciate my own ability to think, my own ability to use Uh my body. You know, it put me in a place, it was my trauma for many years until Mm. I was able to perceive it as my gift, you know, and and honor that Mm -hmm. and see that, you know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be able to appreciate myself in the way I do now. And that, yeah, she was like my greatest gift in life. Yet for years, I would have said the complete opposite.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) It's amazing how that can happen in life, right? That something can change. The context of it changes so much. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. Is th- I think that's what makes us special as humans is our ability to choose a perception. Um, and it is a choice we can make if we want to spend a little bit of time to, like you say, self-assess, like your long drive. You know, mm-hmm. you just then perceive if something's slightly different and suddenly it can change the whole behavior and your outlook and the goals you set and even where you are in the moment. So where well, did that lead you to... What, what What is it that you do now? Because you said you was you was working in that field already for 10 years and you've doing counseling and you got yourself out of the say perfectionism, um, would you drill sergeant? So, yes. Uh, so once you, once you got out of that, what did you do with your life? Like, what are you up to now? And what did you do once you started feeling more content with yourself?
1: Yeah. I didn't immediately leave the mental health field. I continued working, um, for quite a while in that field. Um, but What I do now is that I am coaching. I am providing life coach. And what I call myself is a simplicity coach because I take that complex journey I took myself from perfectionism to being able to be present and appreciate who I am and and what I bring to this world. And I help other people do that journey without having to drive through the middle of Montana. (laughs) (laughs) And so I take that complex journey and I simplify it and bring it to women in particular um, who are really struggling with that perfectionism or when that external, internal version of themselves are, are mismatched and they're feeling this great divide of who they believe they are on the inside and what the rest of the world sees and help bring that duplicity to feel more harmonious for people.
0: Oh, nice. And is it because it's relatable to yourself and you can relate more that you chose mainly that you're working with women or is there a reason or is it just, again, so it relates?
1: It relates. And as I got, I didn't start with just women, but that was who was being drawn into the offers I had. And so um, I do have offers at times that are open to anyone. The particular um, things I have open at the time are for women, but I, I as a mental health therapist, worked with many men and enjoy working with them as well. So it's, um, I still see my life as a journey. And, and so I work with different people at different times. And at this moment, it has been women,
0: but No, no, it's just interesting because I'm I'm actually in the process of uh, coaching. This is my first year. Oh, Um, And it's down to actually people telling me to do it. But I used to, I've done a lot of offline coaching, but I started Mm -hmm. as a a boxing coach when I was like 15. And I loved the transformational process because that's what gave me comfort when I was dealing with my mum was Mm -hmm. I went to a boxing club and I joined there and I never got into any actual fights. I just went there to hit the bags and take Ah. out all the aggression and anger that I had within from what I was going through. Um, But it became a sort of safe place for me. Um, and it was somewhere that I could go and like I said, to get rid of some of that aggression. So I didn't want to put it on the streets. I didn't want to take it out on others so much. Um, and then I started helping other kids and noticing that they're, some, they're, they're choosing to turn up there and a lot of them quit very soon. And they've never been in the ring. They didn't have to. No one was ever forced. Um, they could just go on the bags and do the fitness. And I saw so many come and I realized like their self-esteem and their confidence and encouragement was what was lacking and when I coached them that's why I concentrated on I was making sure I get their encouragement up their confidence make them enjoy the session and because they've chose to be here I wanted them to stay you know for me it's like a little family as well like I Mm -hmm. want as big a family as possible how many can I get to stay and how well can I get on with them and it was um yeah it was that and then I went into like personal training and it was exact I noticed it's the exact same issue I had in personal training the results were different down to how much confidence and self-esteem and sort of reassurance someone had in what they was actually doing, to how consistent they would be in their approach, uh, mm-hmm. and then what results they would get. And now with everything going on, I've switched this to now doing online coaching with people, and it's pretty uh-huh. much the same thing, you know. Because yes, being able to get into people's homes now, where they don't have to do the commute, you know, it's so easily accessible. Um, and there's so many people out there. Like that's why I was interested with you specifying in women, because there seems to be a coach that specifies in every single area that you can really choose someone that works for you. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of them offer different, like I was seeing the other day, like so many that offer free consultations, you know, just to be of service and change someone. Yep. And it's not like mm-hmm. a forced sales pitch, you know, right. it's like they, they want to yes. see, cause they will learn. Like I know, even from the podcast, every episode, I learn something, I grow from it. Um, and it's like them calls that someone can actually, you can be of service to someone and if it works with them and they want that experience again, great. If they don't, you've served and that's beautiful. So is that something you offer for your service to people? Can they go on? Do you have a website that they can go on?
1: Yes, I do offer. I call it a chemistry session. Um, I started in the field of science and so you'll see a lot of carryover and, women in STEM and field um, science technology in particular are drawn um, to the work that I do. And I work with a lot of them. So I do offer a free 30 minute chemistry session to see if I feel like a good fit. um, And that I also see if I feel like they're a good fit for my work. I want people that are best served by me. And I now have a network of many other coaches and and professionals. And so we all, like you said, are in service and we will refer to each other to make sure we get people to the right coach as well. And I have a website. It's www.renewcoachingnw.com. And the NW stands for Northwest. So renewcoachingnw.com. And is it purely virtual or do you do in-person stuff as well? I am doing all virtual at this point. I am not a per- against in-person, but we have not reached that point here in the Pacific Northwest. Most everything is still virtual. And so, and I mostly speak with people now who don't live in the same geographical location mm. as I do. In fact, even as you are in another country. And so, Uh, It really opens up the possibility of people finding the right coach for them um, anywhere in the world. And so I think that is just an amazing silver lining that has come out of these last couple of years of struggle.
0: Yeah, nice. And do you find that you get a, uh, what would be the correct word, like sort of great sense of satisfaction from the service you now are able to provide? Is it any different to the services you provided when you were doing other work years ago?
1: Yes, it is both yes and yes. Yes, I get a lot of satisfaction out of the work that I'm doing now. And yes, it's very different. Um, As a mental health therapist, I really focused on uh, wounds, emotional wounds, right? And helping people heal and recover and um, gain stability through that. As a coach, I'm not treating wounds. I'm helping people enhance their lives, explore opportunities, um, teaching. Um, and so it's a different different viewpoint. Same information, right? A lot of the information I provide is rooted in cognitive behavior and acceptance commitment therapies. But how I'm using the information is really different. And I'm really loving bringing it to a a whole population that doesn't need a mental health diagnosis to be able to access this information. They can benefit from it too.
0: Oh, nice. And do you do, do, because I'm just interested personally with how how I'm doing my setup, like do you do one-on-one calls, group calls, a mixture? Do you have private Facebook groups? What's your sort of procedure in that area?
1: Yeah. I do one-on-ones. One of my popular offers is a a custom coaching where it's a 90-minute session and then two weeks of Voxer Unlimited. And so we really tackle a specific um, concept or problem for a person. And then I'm there for the following two weeks to voice coach them live Um, to help them really implement it. That's a really popular one. Um, I also have done groups. I do workshops, um, I also do all audio courses that are kind of like podcasts um, mm-hmm. for folks. Um, I'll do kind of pop-up podcasts or this summer I'm doing a, an all audio course over the summer called Portable Peace. Um, so I try and really um, meet the needs of the people I work with. They give me a lot of feedback and what works in their lives. And um, that's part of the fun for me is the creativity and being able to come up with different offers um, for different people.
0: Oh nice and it takes me back what you're doing now I'm seeing like how it relates like you wanted to be a dentist because you saw say a woman who was independent and working in a workforce that's predominantly uh, male at the time as well more so than it is now I imagine Um, and now you're working helping empowering women that like someone like that dentist woman would be the one ringing you up you know. And you'll yes. be transforming their teeth by showing them, putting a smile on their face. So I love that there's a sort of resonance there that I'm seeing.
1: I have never seen that that connection. Thank you for reflecting that. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, one uh, one In the words of one of the women I worked with, she said that the work we did together made her feel good, not surface good, but deep in her soul good. And that just talk about feeling rewarding. That was like, yes, this is what I want to offer people.
0: Yeah. And I think it takes, like you said, that that what you went through to be, say, in one, someone's eyes could have looked at you before years ago and said, you're highly successful, but inside you wasn't feeling the, say, sensations of comfort from it. You know, there's something wasn't quite missing. I think there's so many people out there that have got success in in their areas and in their fields and in m- many different areas, but they feel that in a Struggle, And I think that is a big area where coaches can really help people because it is about just sometimes it is about perception and realization and and a bit of consistency in that area.
1: Yeah, I think there isn't a lot of room sometimes for us to be able to be honest and give ourselves permission to say, I know this all looks great, but I'm not feeling that way. Um, And that there's fear of judgment of that right? And feeling almost selfish and saying that. I even, when I tell my story sometimes, it's like, no, I haven't had the struggle that so many of the people I've worked with. And yet perfectionism can be such um, a struggle for people in in a similar yet different way. And so I want to tell my story to say, you don't have to have experienced like major trauma to be able to need the support and help from somebody else. Um, you can give yourself permission to ask for help, no matter what the struggle is.
0: Yeah, nice. And yeah, definitely can relate to that. Like it's, I've had guests that have, I've asked when I started the podcast, I asked friends and family, I just asked anyone because I wanted to test it out before I had proper guests. I didn't even know how you get a guest at the start. I was <laughs> just decided I'm doing it. And then I was like, right, I've got a month to try and find someone to talk to. <laughs> so I was sending messages. Yeah. to And I had a few people, they're like, oh, I've got nothing to say. I haven't been through anything. I haven't got a trauma. I haven't got a story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is just about your life. You had a life. Yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's therefore you have a
1: story, right? Yeah. If you have a life, you have a story. Yeah, and,
0: they're, and they're like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, you're scared of talking on, on the thing? And they're like, no, it's not that. It's just I've got nothing to offer. And it gave me a real good indication. I was like oh the discomfort of living a life where you feel you have nothing to offer mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's to me shows a good indication it's like we should all feel that we're valuable and full of worth and i only got that indication from realizing it myself that i wasn't feeling it and then relieving myself of all them discomforts and feeling the change you know and feeling how that like that's why i was interested with you at the beginning saying like so what changed and how did you know it's possible because for so many they don't think it's a possibility like there's mm-hmm. no hope there that um that the things can change. It's just like this will be how it is and it will just get worse or maybe I can maintain this terribleness.
1: Yeah, I think it comes from unexpected places of what is it that makes us realize things can change? And things like this podcast and somebody catches an episode that they're like this speaks to me, right? Um it is in unlikely places. That I feel like change can happen. And um, as a therapist, people used to ask me all the time, like, do you really think people can change? And I'd say, yes, I absolutely do. But the thing that we get wrong is that we think we have to change who we are. And I always want people to know who you are doesn't need to change, it's what you believe and think about yourself and how you interact in the world changes because who you are is enough and wonderful and amazing. We just need to make sure you feel comfortable showing that.
0: I oh, love yeah no I love that and saying that I sort of share as well is that you're enough right now but you can grow. Because if I find like you mm-hmm. say sometimes the change yes. change can sound like a harsh word to someone because they're like oh I don't right. want to change or they yes. won't like me if I change. And I was like you're just growing, you're developing. You're
1: growing, yes. And it's, and that's like that. fine. <laughs> mm-hmm
0: no need to yeah. find actually it's good and it's a beautiful experience it's like embrace the growth and um and don't feel don't feel bad for reaching out like I've said to people before I was like just go and do as many of them free coaching courses you can if you can't afford to do some I said you'll get something mm-hmm. you are serving them an opportunity I said if you don't reach out I said you're now taking away an opportunity for them to grow because you're you're offering you're in a struggle if they can change something for you even slightly and that they're going to feel so grateful that mm-hmm. they was able to be of service and I said and if they're not they're not the right coach for you anyway. We're not the right coach.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) That is a great point. Absolutely. And um, I just like to reflect that. I really try and offer things at a variety of price points too. Just knowing that um, people are different levels and different stages and need different things. So, you know, if that's a hesitation for people to reach out is that financial is there are lots of different coaches with different price points and different offerings. And so, you know, being curious and asking, um, and and just being willing to say that is, I'm going to need something that fits in my budget. That's recognizing you're enough, and and reaching out to get what you need. Advocating for yourself.
0: Yeah, and Lisa, I think uh, the hesitation sometimes may come from the fear of judgment that someone you know they don't want someone to know that they're not in a good financial position right i've noticed the two things people seem to hide is physical weakness they don't want to say i'm too tired to do something and they Mm -hmm. don't want to say i can't afford to do something and they'll come up with an excuse um to to cover that whereas the other person like well you you could have done that that's not a good enough excuse but everyone can resonate if you say i'm just too tired everyone knows Mm -hmm. what that feels like if you say i ain't got any money everyone knows that means you can't do something
1: (laughs) Yes. Energy and money are things that there are finite amounts of, right? You have so much money and you have so much energy. So saying, this is how much I have, it's really honoring your capacity and honoring your limits to just say, this is how much I have to give. Um, It is an act of self-care to be able to do that. Yeah, nice. We're
0: coming to the end of the show. I have a few sort of just fun Quick fire questions okay. like a quick fire. they're just sort of one answer <laughs> but was there anything else that we didn't talk about that you would love to cover
1: wow well, we covered a span of of things i think i can't think of anything extra i want to add at this point i really um feel like we've covered the gamut here oh nice um right,
0: so i'll start they're just one answer questions if you feel you want to elaborate you're welcome to the first question is if you had to choose one a cat or a dog
1: a cat. Yeah. I have a cat now. His name is snowball. oh nice.
0: i uh, I have a couple a few cats, and one of them we call snowballs. Um and then he had his balls taken off, so we call him snow no, snowballs, Nobles. <laughs> 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 um, what you what's your favorite color? Purple that, another purple. Purple's my favorite color. And uh-huh. I would say maybe 80% of my guests after doing somewhere around 50 episodes have all said purple, which I find fascinating. So that many is purples. very
1: fascinating. Yes. It has been my consistently my favorite colour for many up uh, dating back to childhood. So
0: Yeah, so the same here as mine. And uh, even when people would be like that's a girl's colour, or like when you're a little kid and stuff, I was still adamant mm-hmm. that's my favorite colour.
1: That was your favorite. <laughs>
0: <guy>. <laughs> so what would you say in the simplest terms excites you, it motivates you?
1: Opening people to possibilities. When I see someone's eyes open to the possibility for themselves, I get so excited.
0: <laughs> oh no! What does the opposite? What turns you off?
1: What turns me off? I think something that really turns me off is um, hurting other people. Um, somebody who I can see who is. Um, hurting other people on purpose, I guess, let me add that on purpose piece where you can see that that is being done with the intention of harming someone else is something that just turns me off. Um, and it, it pains me. It literally just hurts my heart.
0: Hmm. What, what sound or noise do you love?
1: Did you ask that question one more time? What, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, sound or noise. Uh, the ocean waves crashing on the shore. Oh, nice. and, and I'm lucky to live a little over an hour from the ocean here. And so that is my happy place when I need to kind of restore and refresh. I go and listen to the ocean waves.
0: Oh, nice. and what sound or noise do you not love so much?
1: I do not like... Um, ticking noises (laughs) um so like a clock that has a consistent tick that's very loud um that um, is very distracting to me
0: i can't think of the last time i heard that now with all the digital clocks everywhere and a phone
1: phone and a laptop
0: being my main sort of clock if it's not the sun thankfully
1: yes it isn't as big of a problem as it used to be (laughs) Hmm. Um, what do you love about yourself what do I love about myself? That is a great question. Um, I love um that I'm kind. It used to be something that I didn't like that people would always say, Oh, we like Jenny when she's little. She's so kind. And I thought, oh, what a vanilla thing to say about me. And mm-hmm. now I love it because I realize actually, not everybody is kind. And In mentioning all the work I did with people with schizophrenia and severe mental illness, I saw in them so many amazing things that I could learn from and grow from, and being able to be kind comes easy to me, and I love that about myself. I can see amazing things in all kinds of people that other people can't
0: yeah nice and I can relate to that that's what people have said that to me for most of my life and especially like uh, imagine it was people in similar positions to you that would I'd meet people with my mum and they would be at all with the sort of attention my brother and I gave to my mum and looking after Mm -hmm. and stuff and and they would always get you so kind. And I always saw it as not, I didn't get so much irritated, but I was like, yeah, but you, what you should be, right? I was like, why are you telling me something that you just should be?
1: Nah, yes, <laughs> something you just should be, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Um, what do you love to see in other people?
1: Um, I really love um, when people are funny. Um, I'm really drawn to people who are able to find humor and lightness in life. That That draws me in. Nice.
0: And again, that's, I think, I feel that's what helped me and my brother, we would find humour in the bizarrest circumstances with each other. And I think we both realised, at like a young age, that that sort of gave a bit of balance to the sort of abnormal stuff that was happening. Like, you know, it's like you could, you could balance each other out with doing something silly or a joke or, and humour seems to be able to do that for us, I find.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet it did. I bet bet that brought a balance to some of the very heavy, serious things you probably had to deal with at a young age.
0: I'll just show you one thing that me and my brother really used to crack up up with when we was a bit older. We had started doing some video work in our early twenties because we had to do self-employed work because we could never hold down a a normal job because of looking Mm. after her, and she would also come to our work and cause sort of disturbances. And so we sort of like we have to work for ourselves and every little bit of time we can. And we started doing like video work this like 10 15 years ago and i remember just like we'd like to try and show our mom stuff and she'd i remember watching it but she would voice out loud things that she's thinking and then she'll talk to someone else in the room who's not there and talk about what we just showed she'd bishop like that that wasn't very good was it but we'll tell him it's good <laughs> and we're sitting right there laughing at each other going oh my god and then she'll turn around to us and go oh yeah really good <laughs>
1: oh that's a, yeah that just is.
0: laughing getting like oh, laughing yes yeah girl, oh. this is just the way it is but it's funny that she still tries to cover it up it's like mm-hmm. they no awareness that she's just said the opposite to us her, to herself yes. out loud
1: yep and <laughs> even in in the midst of that ha- experiencing those symptoms she was still your mom trying to give you positive yeah yeah, yeah, right. we we yeah. saw
0: that in you know, always, she was always trying to do them things.
1: <laughs> yes. and, um,
0: yeah. Very last question: What what do you love about animals? This can be in nature, pets, your choice.
1: Uh I love the unconditional love you get from animals. Um, I said cat is my favorite. I also have a dog, um, and I've always grown up with with animals, cats and dogs, and I just love how, um. Throughout my life, having a cat, they always knew kind of my mood and would come and provide that support or um, spend time with you, um, that there's just this calming, unconditional love from animals
0: nice yeah I I also have a dog and um, the reason I ask people about whether a cat or dog because I've just noticed people have a preference and if you just ask them a couple of times if they're reluctant they will give you a preference it seems something <laughs> in humans is there's they're either a bit more towards cats or a bit more towards dogs no one's 100% equal on that and um, but I'm I'm more towards dogs and my partner she's more towards cats and I realized, I was like, what is it that, what, what are we doing? I realized I was like, wait, to me, the dog can get, he can't do no wrong. He can get away with absolutely anything, but for her, he can't, whereas the cats can get away with absolutely anything. Yes. <laughs> uh, but for me, they can't. <laughs> it's like, and I, was, yes. I noticed that seems to be it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think our dog needs a lot more from us um from me where the cat doesn't need much from me i think that's one of the things i like about cats is they they don't need a whole lot um to be able to be there with you where the dog she likes and needs lots of attention so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah nice
0: oh well it's been uh beautiful to chat to you and hear your story jen and I will make sure to put your links in the description so people can follow up with you and see what you're doing. Are you also do you just share content on social media? Is a
1: yes. You can also find on? me absolutely. Yeah, if you want to interact in the in the most free way, is on Instagram. Um, I am on there um, frequently. I have free offerings on there. I have a couple different free guides and workbooks, um, as well as reels and content and it links there to any current offers um and i have just recently started showing up on tiktok too so you're welcome to check me out there as a newbie if you'd like if that's more of your platform um but i have been um consistently on instagram for a while now
0: all right so well i'm I'm now curious so i'll just add this little bit if, you, if you've got few, if you've got a few more moments
1: sure yeah, yeah i'm just curious
0: what um What made you choose TikTok? Because I'll show you my journey. I went on, I started with YouTube first, making YouTube videos. Ah, And then I was like, you know, I'm sharing a lot of my life and personal experiences. I want to hear some other people's because I could see the value in it, uh, in Mm -hmm. sharing my own, but also the value of creating a space for other people to share theirs. Then I started the podcast. Uh, And in the meantime, I was just having an Instagram that started just to share stuff for my dad really to see and uh, family and friends and it just became like a lifestyle page and it's mm-hmm. mainly full of cats to be honest cats and the dog and travel and yes. um then I thought you know what, I'm going to try and create a space on TikTok and I tried it and after like a month I really just could not sand it and I just stopped so I'm, I'm wondering what made you go to TikTok and how are you finding it
1: um What made me go to TikTok is because um, people were asking for it. Um, I had interactions with a number of people who were looking for coaches and women I'm working with. And, oh, are you on TikTok? And that question kept coming up. And I was like, no, no. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to give it a try. Um, I I feel like a a real newbie right now. It feels quite awkward, honestly, for me on, on TikTok but i'm just trying to show up authentically as myself so you probably won't see me doing a lot of dancing or anything yeah. but i will you know show up and offer um offer what i have which is knowledge information tips tools strategies so um we'll see how that goes i'm still pretty new um so it's uh well, time will tell but i wanted to give it a full shot before i decide And because people are letting me know that's where they are. That's where they're consuming, um, information at this time. So.
0: Oh nice because I went the other way with I thought our oh, people are there I'll go there and then I just didn't I just didn't like the space so much It was too, too, yeah. too, too. it was too sped up and I wasn't doing any dancing either I just wanted to go there to share like you said share some knowledge mm-hmm. wisdom and things that have helped me in my life and right yeah and it just took up more space I was like I'd rather just make more YouTube videos and yeah. concentrate more on the podcast and other bits so that's why that sort of died off for me but now if people mm-hmm. are calling you there it's a great, great place to be.
1: Yeah, I figure I'll give it a try, right? Try and learn and grow, stretch my stretch myself a little bit into an uncomfortable space, um, and see where where it leads me. Get curious. I like to be curious about things. And did you did you say do you have a YouTube channel? Do you share on YouTube yet? I don't. I don't have a YouTube channel. No, not yet. I'll say yet. Who knows where the future holds? But not right now. So Instagram is mostly, and then um, newly on TikTok, and then, of course, my website.
0: Nice. Right. Well, best of luck with everything in your ventures. I wish you all the best with being able to serve people to the best of your ability.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story with me today as well and having me here as a guest.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for coming on and sharing and again and being all authentic and honest and open. It's always beautiful to have a, a real conversation with someone. Great. Right, have a lovely day. I think you said it's the morning for you. So you've got pretty much the whole day ahead. It's, I'm
1: just getting my day started. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's uh, the evening for me. So I just got a little bit more technical stuff to do and then a nice walk with the animals.
1: Nice. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening.
0: I right, will do. Right, thank you again. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Selfish Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, share and leave a review if you can. It really helps other people find the content. And if you gain something from this, maybe someone else will too. I truly appreciate you being here. I'm grateful for every single one of you. You inspire me to continue to create content on YouTube, podcasts, and as many platforms as I can online. So thank you so much. Big thank you to my patrons out there. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be online. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Luke Greenhart. All the links will be in the description. And don't forget, you can get my free copy of my book, The Self, Who Am I? which gives clarity to identity and direction to your purpose view through beautiful insights and perception. So go check that out. You can get it free at lukegreenheart.com forward slash free. Remember, links in the description. It's also available as a paperback on Amazon. Have a beautiful day. I truly appreciate you. Love life. Love yourself. Love others. Thank you again for being here.